You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Kirk McKenzie. The Bible reading is from John chapter 17, verses 13 to 26. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today we're looking at chapter 17 of the book of John. This is one big prayer of Jesus. Almost every word in this chapter are the words of Jesus. Now, Uh, We're not going to look at every detail and every angle of this prayer because Jesus prays about all sorts of things and we just don't have the time to go into all the depths of it. We don't even have time to go into all the depths of the section that we had read for us in our Bible reading today. Uh, So we're just going to focus in particular on verse 18, which I'll read again in a moment. And this is the section of the prayer where Jesus is praying for 
his 12 disciples. He does go a little bit beyond that, but the 12 guys that he's had with him for a few years, spent a lot of time with him, that's who he's praying for in this particular section. So when we read verse 18, bear that in mind. And of course, Jesus is praying, so he's talking to God, his Father in heaven. And in verse 18, he prays this, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So God has sent Jesus into the world, and then Jesus has sent his 12 disciples into the world. But then he goes further in verse 20. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. So he expands the prayer beyond the 12 to anyone who believes in Jesus because of that message that they take out into the world. So what that means if is if you're a follower of Jesus watching right now, that Jesus was actually praying for you when he prayed those words 2000 years ago. So there you go, there's a prayer by Jesus specifically for you in the Bible. And Jesus' prayer is that uh, they will, that all believers will have a unity like the unity that he had with his father and has with his father in heaven. And this is basically what we're going to be talking about today. The idea that we are sent into the world, that followers of Jesus are sent into the world, and we're sent with this sense of unity. Now, this is our last in our short series on the church. We've called it The Church Is Dot Dot Dot. And today's title is The Church Is Sent. Now, of course, of course, the church, as we've seen in the series, is not a building, it's not an institution. It is the people, and we are sent into the world to take the good news of Jesus to the world. And it's like we're sent on a mission. This is often the word that we use in church to describe being sent, that we're on mission. Now, depending on your experience in church, you may think of the word mission differently. If you haven't spent much time in church, you probably think of mission from a military idea, you know? so. Uh, maybe people are sent out on a mission to rescue some hostages or to blow up a bridge. And that can be a helpful way to think about the Christian idea of mission. Not so much blowing things up, but the idea of being sent out to do something together, you're sent out with a purpose. So that's a pretty helpful way to start thinking about mission. Here's the thing, if you've spent a long time in church, you might have quite a different idea about Christian mission. It might go something like this. Some Christian people leave their country that they grew up in and travel to another country to tell people about Jesus in that country, the local people. Now, that is an example of Christian mission. They are being sent in the name of Jesus, but we can't limit ourselves to that understanding of mission. Christian mission is much, much more than that. That is a good example of one way to do it, but it's way more than that. So let's, here at the start of the talk, zoom out and get a fuller understanding of what it means to be sent on mission from a Jesus point of view. See, the one who's on mission first and most is God himself. He's always been on mission. And his mission, if I was to summarize it, 
And look, whenever we summarize things, we risk not doing it justice and not going to enough depth. So please excuse me for that. But to summarize God's mission, it's all about loving relationships. God wants to be in loving relationships with people and he wants people to be in loving relationships with each other. And he's all about that. And his work in the world is all about bringing that about. In the Old Testament part of the Bible, we have a whole bunch of stories of God recruiting people to be part of that mission. And then in the New Testament, we have Jesus recruited to initiate the next phase of that mission. So God becomes a human being in Jesus and he's sent into the world and through the amazing events of his life, his death, his resurrection and the sending of the Holy Spirit, and I realize I've just dumped a whole bunch of theology there. I realize I'm summarizing things. But through those incredible events that Jesus initiates, the next phase of God's mission begins. And that is the phase of the church. The believers united together, bringing good news to the entire world. So God's been, always been on mission. He's still on mission and we are invited to join him by becoming followers of Jesus. I found, found this uh, quote by David Bosch to be quite helpful. He says this, Mission has its origin in the heart of God. God is a fountain of sending love. This is the deepest source of mission. There is mission because God loves people. There is mission because God loves people. There, if there was no mission, if God wasn't on mission, if he didn't care about loving relationships, then the church actually wouldn't exist at all. There'd be no point the church even being a thing. Now, sometimes we can actually get that backwards. We can actually think that church comes first and then mission is sort of a, a program or an activity that we add onto the church, something that we do once we sort of get our act together as a church. But that is backwards. It's the wrong way to think about it. Mission, the idea of being sent into the world, should be the reason that any church ministry, any church activity, anything the church does, that should be the purpose of anything the church does. So, for example, our, most, our newest ministry at our church at St. John's is our home hubs ministry. This is where we've got this new way of church gathering that we hope will be connecting with people who perhaps otherwise wouldn't connect with a more traditional type of church meeting. Now, uh, it's in its early stages and because of lockdowns, uh, Melbourne going in and out of lockdown, technically uh, meeting in homes would be uh, you know, illegal at the moment. So it's going to be a 2020 two thing uh, as far as actually starting these gatherings. But we are meeting to pray and to brainstorm and to plan this ministry at the moment. And one thing we've really had in the front of our minds, and I'm a big part of this ministry, I'm leading it, is that what we don't want to do is get this thing backwards. What we don't want to be doing is going, all right, what do we want to do? All right, we want to do this, this and this. Oh, and God, could you please come in and bless what we're doing? Because that would be getting it around the wrong way. No, what we want to be doing is going, well, okay, God's the one who's on mission. 
and we're invited to join it. So let's look at what God is up to. What's he doing in our local community? What's he uh, doing in our particular context, in our particular time in history? We know what his mission is, but what's he up to right now in our particular situation? What can we see him doing? Ask him what he's up to, and then let's get on board with what he is already doing. And that's our focus as we're planning and praying about the Home Hubs ministry. But of course, that's not just something we should do for this particular, for that particular ministry. That's something we should do for any ministry. So if you're involved in a St. John's ministry, that's a great question to be asking. What is God up to and how can we get involved in what he's doing? Another way we can get things backwards when it comes to being sent on mission is when it comes to growing as a Christian, growing in maturity. The backwards way of thinking about it is, okay, all right, I wanna grow as a Christian. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna hang out with almost exclusively Christian people, and I'm gonna do lots of like churchy, religious things. Gonna do lots of Bible study, lots of prayer meetings, lots of church meetings, lots of church services, just a whole bunch of stuff like that. And hopefully, if I do enough of those things for long enough, I will become mature enough that I'll be ready to be sent out into the world and to be ready to share the good news about Jesus at some point in the distant future. I've been a little bit cynical there, but that can often be the mindset that we have. That is not taught anywhere in the Bible. You just won't find that model anywhere. Jesus certainly didn't model it for us. In fact, he did something very, very different. And it's certainly not something that we find in the prayer that he's praying in John chapter 17. Quite the opposite, in fact. Uh, let's have a look at verse 15. Here's what he prays for his disciples. So he says this to God the Father. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So earlier in the prayer, he's already acknowledged that they've faced a bunch of opposition and they've had a bunch of challenge as they've been going about sharing God's plan for loving relationships. And so despite all this, and despite some of the hate that they've copped, he doesn't ask that God would protect the disciples from all this challenge and all this opposition that they're facing. He specifically asks God that they, he would not remove them from that. Please leave them in the world so that they can keep sharing the good news and, and don't protect them from those day-by-day -day challenges. What he does ask God to protect them for is what's quoted here in our translation as the evil one. Now this may or may not be a reference to Satan. That's a bit unclear in the original language. It is a reference to the supernatural evil dynamics that we believe are going on in the world. So that's absolutely a Christian belief that beyond just the sort of bad stuff that humans do, there's also supernatural evil at work, working against God's mission. And that's what Jesus is asking God to protect people from. So when we're praying about mission, when we're praying about being sent and living in the world that doesn't always agree with what we believe. We shouldn't be asking for a perfectly smooth ride all the time. You know, going back to that idea of comfort a few weeks ago, we shouldn't be asking that we be comfortable all the time, but it is good to ask that we be protected from, 
from real evil and the influence of that supernatural evil. So that's kind of a backwards way to think about it, that we're going to disappear into a holy huddle or a protective Christian bubble, and that's the best way to mature. It's not. It's a good way to actually be reasonably immature in our faith. A much more helpful way to grow in maturity is actually to have friendships with people who don't believe the same thing as you, people who are not Christians. Um, so you can understand what life is like without Jesus. Now, of course, if you've recently become a Christian, you remember what life is like without Jesus. That's not going to be hard for you. But for those of you who became Christians a long time ago or have been Christians your entire life, this is really, really important to do. Think about it. It's a pretty arrogant thing to do to tell someone, I know what you should do, I know what you should believe, without first understanding what their life is like, what the big questions are that they're asking, what the big issues they are, the, 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 the big issues that they're facing in their life. We need to, as we go and seek to share our faith with others and share our life with others, we need to have the humility to learn from them and to understand what their life is like. This is the best way to grow as a Christian. We share our faith to grow our faith. We share our faith to grow our faith. If you were going through a bit of a dry spot in your faith as a Christian, you feel like, oh yeah, I just haven't really grown much recently, feel like I'm not progressing much, then share your faith. Give it a go. Drop the J-bomb. Let people know that you're a Christian one way or another. Get Jesus into a conversation. I guarantee that you will grow in your faith. It might not be pleasant because not everyone wants to talk about Jesus. And some people might be critical of you for being a Christian. But I guarantee that you'll grow. And here's the other thing. We don't do this by ourselves in isolation. I think this is another area where Maybe personally, I've made some mistakes and I've seen others sort of get it wrong where we go, all right, yep, sent, want to embrace this. I'm going to head out by myself and do it. But the idea, and this is really present in this prayer that Jesus is praying, uh, and we've seen it in these verses and we're going to see it again in a moment, doing it together. We share Jesus in community. You know, when Del did her talk in our Churches series, she used that image of the temple that we get given in the Bible, and a whole bunch of bricks being built together. Now, if you're one brick, you're not really a building, are you? You're not going to give anyone shelter. You're useless as a building. It's when all the bricks are put together and built on top of each other that a building becomes useful. And so doing mission together is the best way to go about it. You don't have to go out by yourself because not everyone's going to be really great at the initial conversation. Not everyone's going to be really great at answering all the complicated questions. Not everyone's going to be great at um, caring, uh, at having those deep and meaningful conversations about suffering. So we need to help each other uh, and do it all together. A particularly um, positive season in my life doing this was when I was a young adult living in shared houses. Now, I understand Melbourne's rental market being much more expensive now. Shed houses are a bit more difficult to come by. Uh, but back when I was in my early 20s, they were a lot cheaper. And so we had a bunch of Christians from the church I was a part of at that time 
committed to moving into shared houses together. And then our commitment was basically to be friends with each other's friends. So if I had a friend who wasn't a Christian, uh, my, fr my friends who I was living with, other friends from church, I knew that they were committed to getting to know them and to becoming their friend and, and caring about them. So that my friend didn't just know me, but also knew other people who followed Jesus. And this was a really positive atmosphere we've de we developed for a number of years. And it was so great that when you introduced a friend, you knew that you could rely on your other Christian friends to get to know them, to talk to them, and to care about them. And we had a number of people become Christians uh, within that young adult community um, during that time. Of course, the main reason was because God was at work in their life. But I can't help thinking that that commitment we had to each other's friends was really valuable. So Jesus is already focused on unity in verses 18, 20, and 21. Uh, but he, he sort of doubles down on it and keeps going on the unity theme in verses 22 and 23. I have given them glory that you get, sorry, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Remember, he's talking to his father in heaven here. So he wants to sort of unity that he has with the Father to be um, amongst, the follow amongst his followers. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know you, uh, will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So this unity that we are to have as a church is not just about us as people being unified together. It's also about us being connected with Jesus, who is in turn connected with God the Father, and it's all sort of enmeshed in together. And this is really important. If unity was just up to us, we would botch it. We would, we, we, we would screw it up. We would find a way to, to get it wrong. Because even if we tried our very best, we are imperfect, Failed people, we're just gonna not gonna get it right. The church, you know, as a as a group of people, we don't we don't sometimes sometimes we do good and we get a reasonable reputation. Other times we really botch it. Sometimes we really get it terribly wrong. If you're watching today, you're not a Christian. I wouldn't blame you for being a bit cynical about the church as an institution, because you could probably think of at least one really terrible example of church abuse or you know of power all these sorts of things unfortunately when imperfect failed people get together you can't just click your fingers and suddenly be perfectly unified you know group of people so even if we worked really hard and go come on guys let's get organized let's get unified the very best response we would get from the world would be Good try, guys, but I'm not convinced. So what has to happen is our unity has to have a supernatural element to it. It has to be connected in with God. It has to be connected in with the Son of God, Jesus. That has to be flowing through us, has to be part of the unity thing. That's the only way that people are going to look at the church and go, oh, there's something special going on there. There's something more special than 
the local sports club or the you know the the local school or, or some, something else that's going on. There's something there that's got my attention that that's moving me to want to believe in something greater than myself, and that is going to be Jesus Himself at work in us. So when it comes to unity, yeah, we've got some things we can work on, and we can always work on improving those things, and we should do that thing. But the number one thing we need to do is to be seeking Jesus. You know, when Tim did his talk, uh, he used that uh, image that we get given in the Bible of the church being like a body. Now, what's the head of the body? It's Jesus. Jesus is the head. If we don't have Jesus as the head, we're just sort of this headless zombie corpse walking around. That's going to repel people. That's going to put people off. It's not going to be something that's attractive to people. So, uh, this is essential, and this is when we come to the application here at the end of the talk. Uh, it would be tempting to go, okay, application here is I need to go and talk to somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus about Jesus, or I need to go and serve some people who aren't Christians, or more negatively, I should start feeling guilty about the fact that I haven't talked to someone about Jesus for a long time. <laughs> Don't do that. So. Look, those first two, they would, they would be good things to do, but I don't want that to be your number one application today. Maybe down the, you know, step two, three, four. I want our number one application to be today to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Or if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, the first step is to start a relationship with Jesus who loves you. Because when it comes to being sent, he is the starting point. When it comes to being unified on mission, we have to have Jesus at the start of it, at the heart of everything. The times that I have felt reluctant to do mission have been the times where my relationship with Jesus has been a bit distant, has been a bit dry. But when I've been close with Jesus, when I've been in sync with him, when I've been in step with him, I felt enthusiastic about doing mission. I might have felt nervous about it. I might have felt like I wasn't completely skilled up to do it, but I've wanted to share that good news. And when I felt close with Jesus, I've been much more likely to be patient with the problems in the church. When I'm distant, I feel grumpy with the church. I get frustrated. But when I'm close, I love the church because Jesus loves the church. When I'm distant from Jesus and then the world says something critical about Christianity or I get you know, a sarcastic comment about what I believe, I just want to fight. I just want to strike back. I want to type something you know, sassy back on social media or I just want to go into a, a holy huddle you know, and just disconnect from the world. But when I'm close with Jesus, I'm much more likely to respond with love and with grace when criticised, just like Jesus did. What we have in John chapter 17 is this wonderful example of Jesus seeking unity with God the Father for himself and for us, his followers. So what I want to encourage all of us to do is to be like Jesus and to do the same, to seek a deep relationship with God through Jesus. And as we do that, we'll find our desire to embrace God's 
mission, the invitation to join God's mission, will increase. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.